listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Sex PharmD podcast with your host, Dr. Nadia Archambault, licensed clinical pharmacist and certified sex therapist. With a focus on women's sexual health and wellness, Dr. A is here to cover important health topics and answer all of your questions about subjects that can be applied to pharmacy practice. And now, here's Dr. A. Hello, welcome to Sex PharmD. Today, I have Daisy Bravo PharmD on as my special guest. She is a pregnancy and postpartum exercise specialist. Welcome, Daisy. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Nadia. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great having you. And uh, I've known Daisy for quite some time now. We go back. So it's always nice seeing your face and catching up. Way, way um, back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> some crazy times. Yeah. So uh, as far as your background, I wanted to kind of jump into that and relate it to an article that I know that we both came across in Pharmacy Times. So I'll let you talk about that and then we can we can dive right in to the article and 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 how it relates in in the pharmacy profession. For sure. Yeah. So I kind of have as as probably many pharmacists a long, you know, winded story of how my career has progressed. Um but I started right out of high school as a personal trainer. Um, just because that was my love and my passion. And I really didn't know what to do with it. I was really miserable with the hours of a personal trainer. Um, This was, of course, before a lot of, you know, fitness gurus found themselves online. It was really just you you wake up at four o'clock in the morning, you go to the gym, you train your clients, uh, you have this empty afternoon with nothing to do other than maybe take a nap. And then you have your evening clients. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't the way I wanted to live. I thought I, I, was go- I wanted to have this more flexible uh, career, and I wanted to have a career where I thought I was helping people. And through a couple more journeys and a few other uh, careers in the way, I ended up falling into pharmacy. And uh, I had an interaction with another pharmacist who, who really showed me that through pharmacy, I could... Um, have the flexibility I wanted, um, you know, help people and, you know, really be there as kind of a first line um, for individuals in their health and, you know, and wellness journey. So pharmacy, you know, was really attractive to me. And so just like, you know, many pharmacy pharmacists, um, you know, you start out and, and you're really gung-ho, you're really excited. Um, and I, I kind of got stuck in the rat race of uh, retail pharmacy. And, you know, as most know what's involved in retail pharmacy now, the, um, you know, the, the staffing shortages, the stress, the long hours um, really started to take a toll on me. And it was probably when I was maybe 30, you know, around 35, give or take a little bit. Um, my husband said, you know, maybe we should start trying to, you know, have a baby. And we weren't really trying or thinking about it. 
we were just like, well, we'll just let things happen if they happen. But finally, when it got around maybe the 35 mark, we're like, maybe we should just really put some concerted effort into this and start um, looking at, you know, my, uh, my, you know, my, my schedule and <laughs> my cycle and uh, start right. doing some more, more planning, you know, like women's, uh, <laughs> you know, like we start to do and like all the little gadgets and apps and things out there now trying to kind of sort of coordinate that. And, um, and it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And it, and it was a struggle. And, um, you know, it's really easy when you're in that position that you start, you know, blaming yourself and you start looking um, outside for reasons why this could be happening. Um, I considered myself pretty, you know, fit and I eat very well and I exercise regularly. That's just kind of who I am. But I was still really struggling with my body to do what I wanted it to do. And it was kind of the most bizarre thing. And I really didn't know how to sort of, you know, pinpoint this. And, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, recently I'd come across that uh, Pharmacy Times article and, you know, I wasn't shocked, unfortunately. And it was um, the title of, do you know the exact title of the article? So um, I have it right in front of me, actually. Um, and for our our um, listeners who have not seen it. It's the Pharmacy Times article that came out on May 24th of 2021. So not too long ago. And it's called Miscarriages Are Common Among Pharmacists. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So that, mm -hmm. you know, and that one really resonated well with me because uh, we were trying to get pregnant and nothing was happening. And, you know, reading that article, it was like, oh my gosh, maybe it's not necessarily my fault. And the article, of course, um, relates to maybe some of the environmental chemicals, some of the exposure, the long hours. Uh, they didn't men mention stress, but I'm definitely putting stress on there um, as something that probably affects me significantly. And, you know, when I start to do something, I want to do it 100%. So just like getting all those apps, um, I spent a lot of time studying how I'm going to stay fit during this. So once I, you know, maybe I'm not getting pregnant because I'm doing something wrong. Um, so I ended up spending a lot of time and effort doing a lot of certifications um, to learn how I should be working out or eating better. Um, one for fertility, two for pregnancy, and of course, also for postpartum, because I thought this was going to happen so easily. So I was like, I'm just going to get ahead of this. So that's kind of how this whole mishmash sort of ties together. And um, I have, you know, and I don't like to say this out loud too often, but I probably had maybe about 10 miscarriages um, in the last like five or six years in trying to get pregnant. Um, so when that art, like when I read that article and I was, I almost, it almost took some weight off my shoulders that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it's not just me, maybe it's the environment, maybe we need to start um, making some changes as, you know, pharmacists, especially, you know, retail pharmacists, or pharmacists that are being exposed to specific chemical, you know, maybe some chemotherapy drugs, um, maybe some of these, you know, if you're doing some compounding and things like that, if you are not using, um, you know, proper protection while working with some of these agents, that's something that you should probably consider. So that's kind of a long-winded story about how my pharmacy and fitness and pregnancy, and of course that article sort of all tie together. Yeah, 
first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. That's a really amazing thing, sharing this with everybody. I'm sure there are other women out there listening who can relate to this and relate to your story. And sadly, you're not the first person who I've heard having uh, you know, any types of complications as far as trying to get pregnant, having miscarriages. It's just horrendous. And the art, I'm so glad that someone came out and wrote this article. Uh, they actually, they say that, you know, as far as the pharmacy profession goes, you know, it makes up, and this is directly from the article. They say women account for more than 58% of pharmacists. So it's a, it's very heavily, you know, saturated with women. Like a lot of women are pharmacists. And as those listeners out there know that are pharmacists, we work really long hours on your feet, very stressful. And especially now in the time of a pandemic where we have staffing issues, people are sick and it's just more and more and more, you know, weighted on our shoulders as far as healthcare professionals, it's very stressful. For sure. Um, And I don't really know of an industry in the, like in medical specifically where one individual is responsible for so many different things. You know, I'm worried about maintaining my inventory. I'm worried about, you know, answering the phones and counseling patients. I'm worried about giving immunizations. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about doing, you know, health screenings. Um, and the, the number of things that we're responsible for doing just kind of keeps adding up on our shoulders as um, we start getting, you know, prescriber rights or, or, or different things. Um, so, and I don't know of any other, you know, you don't see a radiologist doing, you know, this many tasks or different things, um, or multitasking the way we are or, um, on their feet for this long, um, you know, maybe an ER doctor, something like that, but, um, pharmacy is very unique and yes, it is. It seems to be very, you know, female dominated at the moment. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's no wonder to see this. And I actually was craving more out of this article. Like I wanted to, I, I wanted know. some more data. I wanted to keep, like, I, I was like, I wanted to flip over and see, is there another page? Like, is is there more to this? And I'm sure yeah. there is more to it. And I think I'm I'm sure that someone out there is is writing and studying and learning a little bit more about this. Because um, this is, you know, this is very interesting for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting. They have the pharmacist moms group, that Facebook group, and they have like 35,000 women who are members and they've all shared their stories. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, as far as miscarriages go in general, they did quote that about one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage, uh, and in general, you know, and then to see, this group on social media where all these women have come out and talked about suffering from miscarriages. It's, it's heartbreaking to see, but it needs to be paid more attention to as, as a profession, you know, and I hope that more comes of this, you know, as far as more studies, it's interesting because in in the article, they did talk about um, bereavement, bereavement time off in Mm -hmm. New Zealand for women that go through this because it's, it's not just physical, it's, it's mental, it's emotional. There's so many components of that. And, and then as far as tying that into sexual health and wellness, how, you know, recovering after that mentally and physically, and then having a sex drive after that can be close to impossible, uh, suffering from a great loss. 
and not just for the female, but for the male also, it's, it's, it's a lot, you for know, sure. it's a lot. Yeah, and I used to have this dream when I was looking, I was working at a large chain pharmacy at the time. And, um, and it was just this dream that just came upon me. And basically the dream was I was pregnant. I was, you know, nine months pregnant and I actually went, you know, my water broke in the, while I was in the middle of my shift and mm. I'm in the middle of labor. And, you know, you would think the first thing I would do would stop and go to the hospital or something. Well, my instinct in this dream was to keep ringing someone out at the cash register, keep answering the phones and, you know, keep complete, you know, filling, verifying prescriptions. Mm. And that was all that was going in my mind. And reading that article was also very interesting because they did talk about a lot of women that do miscarry have made a note in this women's group on Facebook that they actually knew that they were miscarrying while they were at work. Oh. Um, and they had to continue on, um, which was kind of a different version of my dream, but the same sort of mentality that we are living in um, as pharmacists right now, that we're just we're more machines than we are people at this point. Um, yeah. You know, do you think in this country at this time, if you wanted to take bereavement time in the middle of a pandemic that you would be able to, um, it'd be very difficult, very difficult, especially if you were um, like a pharmacy manager or something, it would be mm -hmm. very, very difficult to leave your pharmacy at times like this. So, um, you know, I'm advocating for a lot of things that need to change within the, you know, pharmacy, pharmacy realm when it comes to treating, you know, pharmacists like people <laughs> as opposed to. Yeah. Um, it's so true. It's, it's getting pretty rough out there, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Even with the COVID requirements for quarantining and things like that, you know, you can go back. I think it's now I'm, I don't want to be incorrect in saying this, but from what I re, what more recently was the CDC was saying five days, if you've been vaccinated, is that really enough time? And then what about a female who's trying to get pregnant, you know, or who is pregnant, you know, is that really sure. enough time? Right. Absolutely. And I, I feel like right now it, um, I think they're just going by a lot of companies are just saying, if you're testing negative, then you're coming back. Mm -hmm. um, if you still have a positive test, then then stay home, and um, that doesn't work well for you know a lot of people at, at this moment that are still, you know, still healing or or working on other other things. Also, mm -hmm. I know um, just because you're testing you know positive, um, you may have other symptoms that you're still struggling with. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about in what you've seen with women who are pregnant and and go, you know, postpartum, how does that, how has that affected their sexual health? What are some things you've seen as far as how is it can affect them? Sure. And this is, this is huge. And, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I see it mainly when I see women, they come for me, they come to me for more, uh, superficial reasons. So, um, they want to exercise so that they can get back into the the gym, maybe they have a goal that they want to achieve, but mo more, most commonly I see women that come to see me because they want to fit in their old clothes or they haven't, you know, they see someone that lost the baby weight in two months. Um, so that's why they seek out, you know, my help. But after I start talking to them and I get a little bit deeper, um, I found that I would say, you know, 80 to 90% of the women that I work with have 
sexual health issues after baby. Um, and that could be from a, from a number of reasons. So we see um, just general lock, uh, lack of sex drive. And a lot of times that's just maybe because they don't feel sexy. Um, they look in the mirror, they're not recognizing that person. Um, maybe the interaction, you know, when they had at birth, a lot of times, you know, birth is, you know, not very sexy. And um, a lot of times there is a block between the husband and wife after labor sometimes because the husband has seen something he um, he saw, maybe saw his wife as a sexual being before, and now he sees her more as a mother. So there's a different like new dynamic and relationship that often um, kind of develops between a husband and wife after. I've heard a lot of that from a lot of my clients. Um, but of course, there's things like just pain, just general pain, you know, in the pelvic region, um, you know, when they're trying to have sex after baby, especially that first time, it's a little bit weird, a little awkward. A lot of time, of course, there's been some trauma. Um, so, you know, perhaps they needed to have like an episiotomy, something like that. So there's a lot of, you know, deeper healing that needs to occur. So, um, and then there's also some women that have issues with either um, tightness in the pelvic region. Maybe they feel a little bit loose, the muscles haven't, um, you know, gone back to where they used to, or they might not, never will, um, but there's some tightness, there's some looseness, or it's just the feeling of different um, that creates this mental block. And then a lot of it is uh, what happens after babies, the, the, the vagina doesn't create that same lubricant anymore. So there's a lot of dryness going on. And um, especially if you're a young woman, you've never used or considered lubricant before, like you've never needed it. And then all of a sudden, it just feels weird. There's some, something is different inside <laughs> the vagina. And then there's kind of the mind-body connection issue. Mm -hmm. So, and then all of this is regardless of whether you've had a vaginal birth or a C-section, um, because those pelvic floor muscles, regardless of whether you've had a vaginal birth or not, they've still gone through a lot of stress and a lot of trauma, a lot of weight bearing down on them for, for months and months. And so that mind body nerve connection, um, is not what it quite used to be. So sensation might feel a little bit different. The motor control of the muscles of the vaginal wall might be different. So you may not be able to contract or relax, um, you know, especially during intercourse, if, if you're trying to contract or relax the vaginal wall there, you might not even know how to do that. So there's, there's just so much, you know, going on there. So it's, it's, again, it's not just for my vaginal birth ladies, this is for any woman that has gone through pregnancy. And so this is why I kind of started, you know, working with these women and, you know, pelvic mm -hmm. floor corrective exercises are super important, but they're not just because they're getting your body back, um, getting you in shape or getting you in the gym, getting you back in the old jeans. But a lot of it has to do with getting you back in bed. Um, mm -hmm. Corrective exercise is super important and help you re-establishing that mind-body connection, get those muscles, nerves firing again, um, allow for that natural lubricant to start, you know, re, you know, re-releasing again. So exercise is just huge. It's not for just looking sexy or skinny. <laughs> it's really right. for, it can really bring your sex life back again. Yeah. And I've worked with women who have experienced pelvic pain during intercourse or vaginismus where they use a pelvic dilator 
uh, in physical therapy sessions, which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I love that you just took us through so many different scenarios that happen physically for women after they've had a baby. I mean, it's like starting from zero, you know, again, with your muscles and your hormones are on a roller coaster. So I try to remind, you know, my female patients who've just had a baby, your, your hormones are going to be going up and down for a while, you know? So it's important to also get those checked more regularly. I think there's a lot that goes, I don't want to say ignored, but that's not addressed for women during postpartum, for example, just mentally, you know, if they, they can get very depressed, um, and that can affect their sexual health. And I think it's so important. And I wish that this was just kind of built into our healthcare system where after you had a baby, you got X amount of counseling or therapy sessions just to talk about it, you know, and then, and, and want to feel like you're good, just feel good in your own body again. Just, you know, I feel like it's, it's such an out of body experience that happens when you have a baby and just to feel comfortable again with your body and the changes it's gone through, you know, it's so important. Absolutely. Like, and I think some of the bigger problems is, you know, of course, women aren't sharing some of this stuff, um, from what I'm seeing. And maybe you'll find that, you know, once women start to feel comfortable in certain groups and things like that, then maybe they might vent about certain problems. But just on the daily people that we interact with, even some of our girlfriends, um, we don't really go into some of this stuff, you know, the problems that we're having with sex, maybe the problems that we're having emotionally. Um, a lot of that stuff is tucked under the rug. And I think, of course, how women are viewed in social media, in just the entertainment mm -hmm. industry, you know, you look at the Kardashians and they're back in a bikini in two or three months after they right. have their kids. Um, you know, they're, they're walking around, they look, um, they look just like they did before they had yeah. a baby. <laughs> and, you know, they may have like, I mean, I think there was an episode where one of them was like, you know, full on breastfeeding, but she, you know, she looked really skinny and amazing. I think it was... I don't remember the other the girls' names, but <laughs> I know. Uh, it's hard I to remember. It, I think it was the older <laughs> one, the the one. <laughs> but uh, you know, any it, it just it's mind blowing because women have like this wrong idea of of what it is actually like. Um, you know, the pressures that are on them is really sad, especially when it comes to losing body weight or just just that idea of of bouncing back, um, going back to work, even as. Um, mm -hmm. Even as a pharmacist, I remember when I was interning, I was in pharmacy school and um, I worked for this very strict pharmacy and you weren't allowed to bring any personal items inside the pharmacy, which mm -hmm. I know a lot, a lot do. We all but know. Day, we all know this. <laughs> so, this. This one pharmacist, she brought in this bag and I was very, I was like, oh, what's, what's with this bag? We're all, I, I thought we weren't supposed to bring bags in. Well, what it was is she brought in a breast pump. Mm -hmm. She was about two and a half, three months um, postpartum and she brought her breast pump. And what did she do? She found a spot and made a little privacy screen for herself out of other lab coats. And she was pumping <laughs> whenever yeah. she could. And mm -hmm. so, you know, certain, you know, pressures and stress on women, um, 
it's just, it just, it's just, I can't, it just leaves me like speechless of, of, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the norm in society right now for women? And it, it almost, it almost discourages me from continuing to try to get pregnant because of this madness that, you know, the expectations, um, you know, and the environment that we're dealing in constantly, uh, it's not really nurturing for mothers. So, um, yeah, rambling, no, yeah. not at all. I know. <laughs> and even in the workplace in, you know, in pharmacy, in the pharmacy industry, I mean, aside from a public restroom, they don't have any good place to do that. I, I had a coworker that literally had to do the same thing. She was hunching in back of the counter to, to pump. And then she's stressed out working. She has no, t- no break or time for that. It's, right. it's awful, you know, and we need to do better with that for sure. And I think it's also important for women to talk to their, to, you know, ha- be more open with their OBGYNs when they are feeling depressed. It can be quite, uh, quite serious. And there are like the, some of the SSRIs that are, are safe during breastfeeding. And I know it's always, it's always a conflict where you're kind of thinking, all right, well, I don't want something that's not safe for my baby when I'm breastfeeding, but what's the, what's the risk versus benefit? to that. And I think it's all, it's important to put your mental health first, you know, because that will affect your baby also. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, you know, of course I, my stand is maybe might be different than a lot of other pharmacists or doctors. And uh, especially when you're pregnant or postpartum, I like to leave medication as the last resort. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some of the issues that, you know, kind of the, you know, thinking about the pros and cons when it comes to, you know, taking that leap and saying, hey, maybe I need an antidepressant. Um, an antidepressant, you know, when you look at any of the guidelines when it comes to the psychiatric treatment of, you know, postpartum women, um, antidepressants aren't the first line. Um, and, and that is that is great. Um, you know, women should be, you know, getting appropriate rest, you know, eating well, taking care of themselves, getting outside, getting exercise, um, of course, doing, you know, more conventional, conventional, like, uh, like psychotherapy, things like that, where you're, Mm -hmm. you know, actually going to some sort of a counselor or um, someone to talk you through this. Um, Those are having sex too. They need to, you know, just be living life like they normally regaining (laughs) regaining intimacy, um, Mm -hmm. still having some sort of a social life. Um, Mm -hmm. It's usually a lot of the postpartum you know, symptoms come from that feeling of being isolated, um, that feeling that you don't have any help. And of course, there are a lot of, you know, chemical and hormonal imbalances that come into play. And you made an interesting point earlier um, about hormones. Maybe we should look at the hormone panel as Mm -hmm. opposed to jumping to antidepressants, you know, first and foremost. I know a lot of times when we start looking at hormone panels, um, that's not until we're menopausal you know, and we're looking to, to replace. Um, but I don't, I think that might be, you might be onto something there where, um, we should be doing hormone panels, um, postpartum to see if there are some before jumping into antidepressants, you know, Mm -hmm. and my thing with the antidepressants is sometimes they can take six to eight weeks to even Mm -hmm. start working. Um, and a lot of times the other therapies will, you know, will have done what they need to do prior to that six to eight. And then the question is, you know, a lot of times they bridge that gap with benzos first. Um, yeah. You know, so that the antidepressant has time to work. 
So as a mom, do you want to be on benzos? That's, uh, you know, that's another question. Because if, you know, if you are someone that is, if you are a suicidal mom, of course, they're going to jump to medications first. And yeah, they'll probably jump to benzos pretty quickly. Um, so that's kind of something to think about. And of course, when you go on something like an antidepressant, you are going to have some side effects. Like sometimes you have decreased sex, you know, uh, sexual desire with a lot of these um, antidepressants. And a lot of them have issues with, you know, uh, weight gain. <laughs> so Yeah, so exactly, exactly then, things that you're already depressed about. Right, so it's like, good point. <laughs> Hold on, so like, part of that just doesn't seem rational for me. Um, you know, and I, you know, I've tried to read a lot of studies about, um, you know, is it okay to breastfeed with that, um, you know, with antidepressants mm. and the data says that it does show up in the breast milk and they're saying it has no effect on the babies, you know, at this moment in time, but there's no long-term study that says, um, you know, when my kid is 15 or 16, um, are they going to have issues with their neurotransmitters? Mm. Are they going to be uh, depressed because they had this little amount of, you know, extra, um, you know, SSRI in their system when they were super small? Maybe when they did the study, they couldn't tell what, you know, what's going on. So they don't really have those long-term data out there where they followed these babies, um, you know, to see what happens long-term. So a lot of that kind of scares me. And so, you know, of course, if you are a suicidal mom and you're, you know, seriously postpartum, of course, medication is something mm. to consider. But I don't think it's necessarily something to jump into as the first, you know, as your first option there. Right. You know, I always say to consult with your doctor first, but there are so many other things to look into. And those are very valid points about going on an antidepressant and then weight gain, low libido. Sure. Um, one thing I actually have talked to women about who have or postpartum, or, you know, have you, if they haven't had sex, have you, you, have you used your vibrator? Do you have a vibrator? Just getting that sense of, of, of feeling back, getting that endorphin release, feeling yourself again is so sure. important. So I actually, you know, will tell them to start doing that first mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then, you know, their partner can work with them also just to feel good about themselves physically. Like, massage, just things like that, little things like that, the touch and, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, the mm -hmm. intimacy is, is so very important and you don't necessarily mm -hmm. need to, especially from a woman's standpoint, men might be a little bit wired a little bit differently. They might mm -hmm. need intercourse to, to feel intimate mm -hmm. with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of times women, they just need kind of the touch or they just need to feel kind of that support from someone else. But as you were saying before, a lot of times, you know, with these women, um, that are struggling with this mind-body connection, um, if they feel, um, you know, pain, if they feel um, that they cannot contract and relax the muscles of the vaginal wall. Yes, um, self-stimulation, using tools and vibrators, um, those are amazing. That's a good place to start um, because you mm -hmm. can go at your own pace. You can go at your own, you know, rate. You can stop and start when you want. You don't really have to, you know, you've taken kind of the, the partner out of the equation. So you can really start to kind of focus on you and start getting that body to work again um, like it had before or some version of that and start, you know, kind of get you feeling normal again. So yes, um, that is a definitely a good thing for women to start doing maybe before mm -hmm. they jump in, um, to act you know, sexual activities, like as normal as they were before. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
So tell me about your, you have a book, you have a website. I love it all. Strongmomsfitness.com. And we'll make sure to put all that information with the podcast also. So tell me about this. This is really exciting stuff. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. So this is basically uh, Strong Moms Fitness is the culmination of everything that I have learned as I kind of um, studied to maintain my health and fitness throughout my journey through infertility, um, you know, pregnancy and postpartum. I haven't really gotten all the way through the journey, but <laughs> I'm someone that like needs to know everything and I need to know mm-hmm. now so that when I get there, I'm the best, you know, um, like when I start a new, a new sport, um, I have to like watch all the videos and study it first and then, you know, and then go and do it. Uh, I have to know it all. So this is actually the culmination of everything I've learned. So I took a number of courses um, and studied under uh, some physical therapists and I put together my own combination of, um, you know, exercise and wellness program for uh, women during different phases of motherhood. So I do have a mm-hmm. pregnancy program. Um, you know, I love CrossFit and high intensity training. So I wanted to design a program that was more catered to um, not just doing, um, you know, I picture all these pregnant women just doing these um, kind of sitting on the mat, just doing these little cat cow stretches. And that seemed just really boring for me. So I wanted to, you know, create a program um, that was for the woman that was already fit and wanted to you know, kind of stay fit throughout pregnancy mm-hmm. and that just didn't have to give up because they were pregnant. So that's kind of the, the theme of my pregnancy program. And then in my postpartum program, um, you know, I wanted, in my mind, I was like, you know, all these moms, they just want weight loss programs. But I find that moms miss that first step. And that first step is kind of that healing and that retraining phase, getting things back into gear, getting things back into normal. Um, just like getting your pelvic health back into, you know, back in rehab, getting your core on board again. Um, I, I mentioned this a lot in our conversation, mm-hmm. but that mind body connection is huge. Your posture has changed. Your breathing has changed. Organs are in places that they shouldn't be. Um, so it's really about um, it's a it's a quick rehab program that I offer, as well as my book is like also kind of touches on one part of my rehab program. Um, and then in future, yeah, I'm probably going to do a weight loss program since that's what everyone wants after <laughs> after baby. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure I gave women the foundations after that. So that's kind of the the, the general about Strong Moms Fitness. But uh, the goal behind it was, you know, creating programs for moms that create mental and physical strength. Um, you know, not just looking, you know, look in a certain way, really mm-hmm. about empowering women that they can do the things that they want to do. Um, you know, because their moms doesn't mean that they have to just, you know, sit on the sidelines. Um, they can still be, you know, strong and participate in things they love. So <laughs> that's pretty much the gist of strong moms. And um, so I've started a podcast Mm-hmm, I've got, which I uh, love. I love your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I've been yeah, on it too. <laughs> yes, that was probably one of the most highly rated episodes. Oh, that was <laughs> Everyone fun. Everyone to hear about sex. So right. <laughs> um, that was definitely one of the most popular episodes. 
And then, yeah, I've got my book and the programs and that's pretty much how I keep busy with my, uh, my fitness business. I love it. Yeah. And, um, for those of you that want to know the book name, it's flat abs after baby. Uh, so for those of you that know anyone or if it's yourself, it's, it's a great book. And, uh, again, I love the podcast and, and your, all the content you have on there also is amazing. So yeah, this is, this is great. So, okay. Top three tips for women postpartum. What okay. would you, what would you say are the top three? <laughs> sure. I might have to do three and a half. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so difficult. Um, you know, number one across the board, and, and I think these tips are just like, ge- like general tips that women need to live by. You don't have to be pregnant. You don't have to be postpartum. And one is, I think you need to give yourself some grace. Um, let you know that whatever phase you're in, it's okay. <laughs> um, if it's not forever, it's going to be the phase you're in. And if you are on board, you give yourself grace, you can work towards, you know, changing it to a different trajectory than what you, than where you're at right now. It's a temporary moment in time. So give yourself some grace, give yourself some love. And you know, that change will come when, the, when it's time. Um, the second one is to, of course, everyone says, every, I think everyone says these things, and so, <laughs> but it's of course to take you time, um, you know, especially as a pharmacist, um, as a mother, as a wife, as all of these hats that we put on our heads, it's important to remember who we are and to embrace that and to enjoy that and to allow us to come back to that. So whether that is, um, you know, five minutes of meditation, maybe that's a walk around the block, whatever that looks like for you, but it's important just to have you time alone with yourself. And I know, um, sometimes people like, Oh, that's so easy. Oh, I can go for a walk. And then they put on their headphones and then they run into a neighbor and then they talk mm-hmm. to somebody. And when I say mean, take time for yourself, I just mean alone in silence um, so that you can clear all, you know, all of the, you know, pain or hurt or drama that's going on in your head and just allow yourself to kind of like rebalance, chill, um, ground yourself, whatever term that you, you appreciate in here. Um, but taking you time super important and don't use that you time um, to have other distractors. So again, like music or like, don't watch a Netflix when you're having your you time. Right. Um, <laughs> Cause then you, you take on the draw, you know, especially if you're watching like a murder mystery or something, you're taking mm-hmm. on that, that, that drama. So just some you quiet time. Mm-hmm. Another one is don't compare yourself to others. And a lot, I think we all get, as women, we get into this trap, um, you know, so-and-so lost the baby weight in X amount of months or so-and-so, you know, has run three marathons. Um, we're, we all come from different places, different adversities. So don't compare yourself to others. Just compare yourself to yourself. And um, I think that will make you feel better overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my final one, and I'm probably guilty of not doing this, but um, ask for help. And yes. don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, you know, in, in whatever it is. And, <laughs> you know, it could be in business, it, it could be in your personal life, it could be in a struggling marriage, it could be 
um, if you're having issues with sexual help, you know, someone like mm-hmm. Medea, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, ask for help. Don't just let it fester. And I think that's where a lot of women have issues with um, postpartum and why it goes on for so long is because they wait until mm-hmm. it gets so bad. And then maybe a spouse or a family member says, you need to go see somebody. And uh, maybe they should have saw someone three or four months ago. Um, so asking for help, super important in any facet in life. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's one of the first things as far as the first, most important thing is admitting that, you know, you're not feeling your best and talking to someone about it is, is so important. Well, those are great, great pieces of advice for sure. I think that's the number one of like AA. It's like, uh, admitting you have a problem or something. It's it's the fundamental approach. Yep. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. 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 Love that. Yeah. Well, this was so great having you on. I really enjoyed talking with you. And, you know, for everyone listening out there, uh, if you want to share with them, what's the best way to get in touch with you? We'll, again, we'll post at the end of the podcast, your website, your book info, all of social media, all that good stuff. For sure. Yeah. So I am everywhere, like all the social medias and I'm under strong moms fitness for everything. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking for my podcast, uh, if you're looking for my programs or website or my social media handles, it's always strong moms fitness. Um, I just started a a Facebook group, which I'm starting to get new moms in there. So we can kind of a little bit of fun, a little bit of like commiserating, a little bit of like venting, um, just a place for everyone just to kind of feel a sense of community. I know Um, A lot of people have just felt so disconnected for so long. So I'm starting to get this Facebook group going. And it's, um, if you just look in Facebook for the Strong Moms Fitness Pregnancy and Postpartum, I think it's support group or accountability group. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I welcome everyone to join that. That's going to be the new place where I'm trying to show up and I'll put all my new uh, content and videos in there. And that's where I'm most active. Great. You made it easy. Strong mom, strong mom's fitness. It's easy enough. I love it. <laughs> you kept it easy for and it's everybody. Moms, and it's mom's plural. I think that's really the only place where people go awry when looking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they do strong mom, but it is mom's plural. So Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Daisy. It was so great seeing you again and, and talking with you and catching up. And I hope that our listeners out there have gained some insight or at least found this interesting. And, you know, more, more importantly, if anyone listening has had something like this happen as part of their journey also, it's, it's nice to hear all the people's stories. So thank you for sharing that also. Thank you. It's yeah. been so fun being here. And it's actually probably one of the first times where I've got to have a conversation that combines like health, wellness and pharmacy and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pelvic health. So it's very exciting yeah. to be here. Thank you. Yeah. A blast. Great. This was great. Well, thank you, everyone. And thank you, Daisy. Mm-hmm.